Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? Well, the bad news is that we are still in the midst of an attempted coup. Mm -hmm. But the good news is that it is being led by Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with that? And he's charging $20,000 a day, which is probably coming right out of the taxpayer's pocket through it's some sort enough. of elaborate he's grift. A bargain. <laughs> right. The amount of entertainment we're getting from him is worth at least 30000 Okay. Yes. We have so many nopes to tackle. This is Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Is no, my sign is no, my number is no. You need to let it go, you need to let it go, need to let it go. So apropos of nothing, Rachel, I've been trying to reach you this week, but I've, I can't because you've been too busy watching The Queen's Gambit. I can't. It's like I I keep calling it the fool's errand. It's the worst. Like everyone I, you know, loves it. Everyone loves it, and I'm just on the outs with people. People are like, I'm very disappointed in you that I don't like it, and Josh hated it too. Yet Josh is so committed to watching a show. Once we're in it, he has no sense of sunk costs, so he's just like. <laughs> Sometimes shows are bad. Sometimes shows are, we have to watch the bad show. And so we finished it it's last like, night. Not like and... dollar dollar cost averaging. Like, you don't have to <laughs> watch a bad show. I was show. like, can we just switch to the crown? And he's like, no, we have to finish Gambit. And I'm like, okay. So One queen, so another queen. So what do you think? Do you think I would like it? Um. I really don't. I really do not. But I would encourage you to to check it out. The first episode is deceptive because it's actually kind of intriguing. And then it just like doesn't go anywhere. It's it's very well styled. The fashion's good in it. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll based on I still don't know whether to watch it or not based on your scathing your scathing critique and then your tepid endorsement. I don't it's know. A, it's about the hard rock world of chess. <laughs> okay. Drugs um, and well, alcohol, yeah. when you weren't watching The Queen's Gambit, uh, how was your week? Uh, was anything interesting going on? You know, it was Josh's birthday this week on yay, Monday, which, yay. yeah, it was a big deal following his near-death coronavirus experience. So, you know, it wasn't like we could go out and celebrate. So we just had a nice barbecue at home. Um, our friends, Megan and Tom, and their kids came over. We're now in a pod with them. They rented a house out here, which has been great. And it's nice, you know, we had champagne. AJ and I baked a cake that he decorated to look like a psychedelic pumpkin because oh. <laughs> who doesn't want a purple striped orange frosted cake for their 46th birthday? But he's Josh is 46, and I think it's a lucky number, you know? Because 46. of, yeah, 46th president. The Biden, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Isn't, uh, well, isn't Tom and Megan's dog uh, Coco's sister? Brother, yes. Brother, yes. oh. And so they had a reunion, and um, it was really special. And so they have, like, um, they rented this house with, like, a fenced-in backyard so we can bring Coco over there, and the dogs run around and go crazy and tire themselves out. It's really nice. Treat for the whole family. I had a little special something happen this week, too. So back, back in February, uh, the last time I was on an aeroplane— I went to Seattle for uh, Stacy, our dear friend Stacy's son Sasha's bar mitzvah, and mm -hmm. uh, there was this fancy like boutique shoe store that, and this of course was the last month before the lockdown. And um, I strolled in just to take a browse, and I fell in love with this obscenely expensive pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. um, and they were Aldens, which is a nice, fancy brand. Um, and they were suede slip-on chucka boots, 
which was oh, I love those. Yeah, I never had that, and it just seemed like that. And I tried them on, and you know, when you try something on, you're like, I must have it. But they didn't slip them on. You slip them off, off like yeah, it's, it's a slip, <laughs> slippy slide all over. But I have um, like monster wide feet, so they didn't have it in my width. They had it in my side, but not in my width. Like they make them in various widths. But because it's not just Alden, it's like Alden in collaboration with some like artisanal family, five hundred year old Italian shoemaker. So they're right. like, oh, we we can get it made in your width. I'm like, oh, okay. How long will that take? And they're like, oh, six months. <laughs> like, and normally I would say, fuck you, I'll buy some shoes at Macy's or something, but <laughs> the shoes I don't need, right? But I'm like, sure, ring it up. Instant gratification. <laughs> right? With nothing, no, with no gratification. <laughs> so of course, the worst six months of our lives go by. I've forgotten about these shoes. And sure enough, this week they show up at my door. They showed up. They showed oh, up. Right I, I kind of assume. I thought of it every now and then. I kind of assumed the store went out of business. It's this tiny little boutique. I felt bad. I wasn't gonna like call and ask for a refund. It was probably like their last dime. Keep my money. Um, but sure enough, they showed up and they're gorgeous. And then I realized, what the fuck am I gonna do with the pair of dress shoes now? Like, where where can you go with them? Like, if you go out at all, they've you're... outlived their usefulness. Yeah, <laughs> well, the you... whole concept. So now I'm wearing them around the house. I'm wearing these like somewhat stiff uh, suede slip on. Because yeah. I'm trying to break them in, but break them in for what? When am I ever but gonna wear? You could wear them to work out with your trainer. <laughs> Yeah, he'd love that. <laughs> Squats. So now I have beautiful, beautiful shoes that I will never wear, and they are good for nothing. Um, they, they have the promise within them, and that right. promise will be fulfilled eventually. One day. Right, yes. on the election of Kamala Harris's inauguration or something. Yes. Okay, so um, now that the election is over, we can move on from politics. In fact, I think we might have uh, almost a, a politics-free episode. Back to Thank the God. Back to back classic to the, nope. The um, pressing needs of the day, yes. <laughs> exactly. So, Rachel, the first one goes to you. Go ahead. Yes, okay. So, um, my college roommate, Louisa, lives in Brittany. We've talked about a frequent a topic of conversation <laughs> on this podcast. And she got wind of a story um, that explains everything that's going on right now. And it must be discussed because it is of monumental <laughs> importance and global importance. And yet personal. <laughs> and, we, and yet personal. We've been sitting here thinking that our fortunes have turned because people rose up in droves and voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, or maybe it's because Mercury is no longer in retrograde or some other reason, but no, there's a whole other why behind the why that we haven't even considered. And it all starts with an Irish farmer named Donald <laughs> Bohane. Of course it does. Who, <laughs> with the help of a couple wait, I, of- Wait, is it Irish farmer? An Irish farmer. Why does all Don- the Britney news actually involve Ireland? <laughs> well, Louise is very. They're Celtic. Um, They're Celtic ish. She's Irish connected. She's an Irish musician. She's Irish she plays adjacent. the flute. Okay. Yes. Okay. So she's very interested in Irish culture. So, so this Irish farmer named Donald Bohane, who, with the help of a couple of druids, decided to move. <laughs> wait, wait, stop right there. <laughs> Can I just finish this? Yes. Go ahead. So with the help of a couple of druids, this farmer decided to move a rock that had been knocked over 10 years ago by a bull. 
and the rest is history. <laughs> I have so many questions. Okay. That I'll sentence alone. That sentence alone deserves should be carved <laughs> on a monument somewhere. Into my yes, into my tombstone. <laughs> okay. Tell me about okay. resurrecting this rock. <laughs> So according to the Irish Examiner newspaper, Donald Bohan, who is based in Cork, Ireland, he said a string of bad luck for many, many years. His, his fields outside the town of Skibbereen flooded, killing off his corn. His cows have died. Keep going. Keep going. His cows have died of all these infections. All this has really hurt him financially. I'm sorry, Donald. Um, so he started thinking about what has changed on his 30 acre farm and in the world, he, he, what has changed in the world. And he came to believe that his ill fortune was linked to this giant one ton stone, which is this ancient boundary marker, kind of like a Stonehenge yeah, stone yeah. in one of his fields in the town of Kulnagaran. <laughs> okay. So the stone itself dates back to the Bronze Age, and it's likely to have been used as a marker near a place of religious significance, such as a place of worship or a burial ground. And the farmer said he looked back and everything traces back to this one incident about 10 years ago when a bull that he had used to itch himself against the stone and it caused the stone to topple over. So... He contacted University College Cork to find out how to put the stone back. He knew that like the falling of the stone was going to unleash forces beyond his control. <laughs> he made a lot of calls. Nobody got back to him. Finally, he reached a folklore expert named Jenny Butler, who suggested that he call in the Druids. So he called <laughs> Jan and Karen Tetaru, who are members of the Grove of Anu, a local branch of the worldwide order of bards, ovates, and druids. When he's not performing ceremonies, Jan um, Tetaru works as a web designer. He's very multi-talented. <laughs> as, many, as many druids do. It's a cottage industry. <laughs> it's, a, it's a side hustle. <laughs> speaking of cottage industries, he also runs a bed and breakfast with his okay, wife. Good. Okay. Multiple so, sources of income. So the druids turned up about two weeks ago from their home in the Kerry Mountains, and they performed a ceremony before the stone, and then they helped lift it back up with the help of a bulldozer bulldozer so jan said that the spot where the stone stands is roughly aligned with the location of a fort and is part of an ancient road from that fort so jan and karen in the ceremony addressed the unseen people who live in the fort and explained to them what they were about to do they made it clear that there are ley lines that run along the land they wanted to make sure they were not blocked by the fallen stone and they invited whatever seen and unseen creatures were in the area to stop the streak of misfortune that has befallen Donal and and the world <laughs> and and is, his farm wait which is flooded corn and itchy cows <laughs> And the whole world and Donald yeah, Trump okay. and everything. So they, they also used water from their holy well. 
and they, you know, they fixed the stone and things started going well again, you know, <laughs> thus far. And, and they fixed and, the stone on November 3rd to 2020. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Right before the election. And so you think like, okay, that's great. They can wash their hands of this mess and we can now all live in harmony. But no, we cannot have nice things. Donnell Bohane is now <laughs> under investigation. <laughs> because standing stones are protected under the national <laughs> monuments acts and anyone who wants to move one has to give two months written notice to the minister for heritage and so this right, farmer, rightly so yeah i mean but he'd been trying to contact them for years he's suffering ca dead cows and <laughs> corn and floods and nobody gets back to him so he calls in the druids they fix the problem and, and they do over. what druids do yeah yeah he took so, matters into his own hands <laughs> he did so the stone had been lying on its side in a field less than 50 meters from the roadway ever since his bull knocked it over in like 2009 and nobody ever said anything and all he did was was pick it up, cleaned it up, and now it's impressive again standing up. So I just say nope to the National Monument Service. This farmer was crying out for help. You did answer nothing. Your, answer your phones, National Monument <laughs> Service. No good deed goes unpunished. Like, yes. You have one job. Pick up the phone when someone calls <laughs> about it like a, a, a knocked over plinth or whatever it is. Standing stone. <laughs> standing stone. <laughs> You have one job. Keep the stone, yep. the standing stone standing. Never exactly. stop standing. And okay. so the standing stone is once again upright, all is well in the world. And I hope this guy isn't prosecuted for doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nope. So, nope. Nope. <laughs> that, that was crazy. That was crazy. I'm glad we dove back in to the notes with that was truly a classic note. Yes. Thanks, Louisa, for the heads up. <laughs> Thank you, Louisa. Okay. Um, I'm going to shift gears here. Um, do you know who Dr. Mike is? Have you heard of this Dr. Mike? Um, is he my ophthalmologist? No, he is a celebrity doctor. He's a family doctor in New Jersey, but he's also a celebrity. He has 13 million social media followers and a very popular YouTube channel. And he okay. was also named People Magazine's 2015 Sexiest Doctor Alive, which I did not know was a category. You what could, type of um, doctor is he? He's a family doctor. Um, okay. And uh, on his Instagram feed, he gives medical advice, life tips, and there's also hunky photos. And he is, in fact, very, very attractive. Um, so Wait, finally, I'm look him up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so finally, on. he is using his voice, his platform to speak truth to power. Um, okay. This week, he wrote a letter to New York Attorney General Tish James and California Attorney General Attorney General Xavier Becerra, calling for a probe into figs. Now, do you know what figs is? No, you should say no. Like fig newtons. <laughs> no fig. <laughs> For the uninitiated, such as yourself, Fig <laughs> is a direct-to-consumer brand that uh, sells fashionable scrubs, and okay. it's unclear who it's for. I don't know if it's for medical professionals who want their scrubs to look more fashionable, or is it for people who want to look like 
responders who want to look like they're in the medical profession and wear scrubs like the like the synth player in prince's 1999 video i don't know but anyway they sell scrubs so um why did dr mike write to the these attorneys general it was to uh, call out figs for their, quote, overall business practices, including their advertising, pricing, and their charitable Threads for Threads program. Uh, he wrote in this letter, I believe the integrity of their Threads for Threads program could, wa could warrant an inquiry. The many messages I have received from people familiar with figs, those who have been customers and those who have worked there, signal larger problems. Should your office have any interest in reading the messages as part of any formal investigation, please do not hesitate to get in touch. Um, so this was also figs has been in the news lately there was a controversial ad i think it was like a subway ad of a female doctor reading a medical book upside down um as like a wacky like contrarian like we're not like your regular scrubs company but i think the implication was that women don't know how to read and they can't tell if a book is upside down or not um <laughs> no really i'm just like I'm processing all of this. Okay, <laughs> okay go on. Okay. Um, it turns out that there is a deeper beef between Figs and Dr. Mike that goes back. Uh, Figs tried to... <laughs> Every time I say Figs, I think AKA Twig or FKA Twigs. Um, Figs, they tried to hire Figs as an influencer for the Figs brand. He said no. Wait, and they tried to hire Dr. Mike as an influencer? Yes, okay. yes, okay. As, a, as a Scrubs influencer. Um, he said no, and they used his image anyway, uh, and he sent a cease and desist, and then they posted a picture of Dr. Mike in a Figs top, which I think would have been doctored with the, the caption, proving our Scrubs tops fit even the biggest of muscles. And that post has since been deleted. Um, mm -hmm. So the real question here is not only don't we have anything better to worry about or Dr. Mike have anything to worry about, but I want Tish James investigating Donald Trump, not figs. <laughs> and also like these allegations remember like i think it was the pennsylvania attorney general who was like this is hearsay on, or the judge in that case was like this is hearsay on top of hearsay like right. who are these stories about figs like right. who cares he has mysterious direct messages on instagram election <laughs> about alleging nefarious wrongdoing at figs <laughs> in their threads for threads program oh the, the allegation was that the threads they were because it's like you buy a pair of scrubs and they donate a pair of scrubs but the allegation was that the scrubs they were donating were of lesser quality than the ones you were buying so again that would be uncool on the other hand i think we have bigger things to worry about than the quality of the scrubs donated by figs um yes. so this is dr my i think this is more about you Look in the mirror. I think the problem Look inward. is... Look inward. I feel like the headline of this should just be like, no scrubs. Yes. Right? Scrubs, scrubs a guy that gets plenty of love. No love. <laughs> gets plenty of love. <laughs> it's on the passenger side of your best friend's ride, trying to holler at me. Candy wow. Burris. I'm a little genius. embarrassed that I know that. <laughs> but well, um, I just want to get, I, you know, I'm fine with figs, actually. I think they're they're doing what they got to do to get by in tough times. And Dr. Mike, you get my nope. Like, come on, take care of those families. Take care of your Instagram followers. Do not bother Tish James with your, your uh, 
crank complaints and your, your frivolous lawsuits. Your frivolous lawsuits. And you don't have standing. Like <laughs> you don't have standing to bring this lawsuit against. You have nothing to do with things. Okay, nope, Dr. Mike, just go back in your hole. Okay. Um speaking of hunks, um <laughs> I love my transitions. Speaking of hunks. <laughs> Um, this is tough times for print magazines. It's hard to believe they exist at all anymore. And, you know, I used to be in the print magazine business way back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. But among the amid the uh, magazine apocalypse, one brand is thriving. And this is a favorite brand from the past that they have uh, resuscitated. Um, it was a magazine that went out of business. Someone bought the brand and has brought it back to a roaring success. And that brand is Playgirl. Playgirl. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember Playgirl? Yeah. I mean, course. I remember it as a thing. Right. So it hit the stands this month, the first issue, and it immediately sold out. Is Dr. Um, Mike on the cover in his fix? No, no, it gets very, it gets very strange from here. Okay, <laughs> what I just told you is the most serious part of the story. On the cover of Playgirl, this this magazine, purportedly to show naked men, is a naked and very pregnant Chloe Sevigny, with the cryptic message, "We'll take it from here." Okay. So Chloe. Naked Chloe is on the cover of this magazine. So I have so many questions. The um, Who is this magazine for? Like- <laughs> exactly. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So it costs $20 an issue. And when they say it's sold out, it sold 10,000 copies versus Playgirl Classic at its height that had a circulation of 1.5 million. Oh. The, ed- the editor-in-chief is this woman <laughs> named... <laughs> Maybe you've heard of her, and then I'll feel foolish. But her name is Sky Parrot. <laughs> no, I've never heard of that person. I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's exactly as it sounds. A Sky Sky Parrot, um, <laughs> and she reassured the press us that there are still nude men in this in this magazine. But she is quote trying to attempting to capture the enlightened feminist appeal of the magazine's early years and not the porn mag for gay men it became when it folded in 2015. Um, Okay. Yeah, so, um, and then she says, uh, oh no, she said, we wanted a more honest and female gaze. So- But wait, but didn't Chloe Sevigny have her baby like several months ago? Like (laughs) It's delayed, it's delayed. (laughs) That's part of the problem with these magazines. They take a long time to get to press. By the time they're published, they're out of date. The the baby's- like out of college (laughs) baby is a grown-up grown man posing for playgirl (laughs) but also of all the brands like i remember playgirl did not have attractive nude men these were like greasy slime ball mullet haired like yeah it's like bridge and tunnel yeah exactly right i mean like even as like a gay youth and young adult who occasionally sneaked a peek at playgirl like it held no appeal for me like it no. it was absolutely disgusting i don't know who was getting that magazine even in its heyday i don't right. know who like who right wanted i mean that. so I now know. it's unclear is it for feminists for fetishists for women for gay men <laughs> like just stay in your lane playgirl if you're gonna be a new playgirl just be for <laughs> gay men furries <laughs> Um, there's a quote here from Samir Husni, 
who is uh, often known as Mr. Magazine, but in fact, he's the founder and director of the Magazine Innovation Center at the University of Mississippi School of Journalism. I have many layered qualms with that title, that there is a, in fact, a Magazine Innovation Center in 2020, and that it is housed at the University of Mississippi School of Journalism. Okay, yes. But, but to, Many but to, issues with that. Okay. But, to, but to each his own. He says, this Playgirl feels more like a nice coffee table book with nude pictures and great articles. Okay. Oh, so mm-hmm. my my real question here is, why did Chloe Sevigny, who is a class A celebrity and artiste, agree to have anything to do with this nonsense and leave your baby out of it? Your baby did yeah. not consent to be part of this ill-fated project. Maybe she's friends with Sky Parrot. <laughs> Sky, Parrot. Sky, if you want to be on this podcast, call us. Call us. We will. It's it's all about relationships. I feel like that's that's <laughs> how it col- happened. They were college roommates or something. Sky, yeah. Sky, Sky and Chloe, BFFs. Like me and Louisa. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Sky Parrot lives in Brittany and plays the flute. Maybe Sky Parrot has some good ideas about <laughs> druids. For next week. <laughs> okay, so I'm giving my no- nope to Sky Parrot because she's clearly <laughs> the creative muse behind this ridiculous, ridiculous. You're noping relaunch. this relaunch, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm noping Sky herself. I mean, I think like if you want like magazine innovation, the magazine is going to have to be like a car, like, <laughs> right? Or like a right? sp- a SpaceX rocket, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> There is no more innovation to be had in magazines. It is no. dead, right? Right. It is just like a different form of clickbait. Okay, so nope to Sky Parrot. Go back in your roost, your colorful roost. <laughs> Chirp elsewhere. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> okay, my next one is, um. so um, a, on a, a rare positive, but always sort of head-scratching development in the world of uh, like online mediation is the fact that Twitter is now putting these advisory labels on the Trump tweets. And yes, they're vague and yes, they're equivocating still, but at least this concept has moved to the forefront of the public consciousness. It's such a nope. It's such a like understatement of the century. It's like, he's like, I won the election in all caps. And it's like, (laughs) others have decided differently. Okay, that's not the no. I was that okay. was merely for purposes of transition and introduction of this segment. Um, so, but don't uh, get me started on anything <laughs> related to that topic because I'll just go on and on. And I just I decided purposely to leave it out of this episode because you know okay. how I get. Okay. okay, well I I brought it in the side door here. So okay. <laughs> um, here we go. So I digress to a man named Wesley Barnes who is vacationing at the Sea View Resort on Koh Chang Island, Island in Thailand, or Island in Thailand. Um, And he had a bad experience at that resort, and he wrote a review on multiple sites, including TripAdvisor. And in his reviews, he said that there were unfriendly staff who act like they don't want anyone here, and then he um, proceeded to say that the staff looked like it was like modern day slavery. Um, <clears throat> and it turns out that this bad review stemmed from a fight that he had with the staff because he didn't want to pay a $20 court 
$20 corkage fee on a bottle of wine that he had brought to dinner, which okay. to me equates to modern-day slavery. Um, and the next thing you know, Barnes was arrested in Thailand, released on bail, pending pending trial, he could face two years in prison and a fine of 200,000 baht, which is $6,000, um, for writing that review. Wait, this reminds me of that movie with Claire Danes called Broke Down Palace. <laughs> <laughs> she's Romeo like put Juliet. in like a Thai prison <laughs> for some minor crime. Right. Okay, well, go on. <laughs> well, Wesley Barnes is in a Thai prison for writing a bad review on TripAdvisor <laughs> <laughs> of the Seaview Resort on Koh Chang Island. Is it illegal? Is it illegal Appar to write a bad review? Apparently, it is. There are very strict anti-defamation laws in Thailand. Like you can't even like whisper anything about the king or the royal family. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, so I guess, <laughs> I guess the, the Seaview Resort falls under the same. Where is Mr. Barnes from originally? Um, he, he American? he's American, but he lives in Thailand, like works in Thailand oh, okay. at, at this resort. So, um, so. He should have known. Right. I mean, if he lives in Thailand, like he had all the information. So this resort is still available to book on TripAdvisor. <laughs> Uh -huh. In fact, I was just browsing for resorts in Thailand, and uh, and it's there. But there is a message, a warning message, not unlike a Twitter message, and it says the following. This hotel or individuals associated with this hotel filed criminal charges against a TripAdvisor user in relation to the traveler writing positive writing and posting online reviews. The reviewer spent time in jail as a result. TripAdvisor uses its user, uh, it serves its users best when travelers are free to share their opinions and experiences on our platform, both positive and negative. The hotel may have been exercising its legal rights under local law. However, it is our role to inform you, you may take this into consideration when researching your travel plans. What? What the fuck? <laughs> These mealy mouth warning. Pull it down. Pull it down. Just ban the ban, ban the resort. You may want to consider that one of the TripAdvisor reviewers was pulled from his bed in the middle of the night and jailed in a Thai prison. <laughs> Although he did not violate our terms of service, technically, you might want to and take so this far <laughs> as you may not want that experience. Although who are far be it from us to, to judge what you're going for on your vacation. It's a neutral no. platform. It's a neutral platform. So I, I went to this page and I invite you to do the same. Perhaps we'll link to it in the show notes. And I went to go see what the other reviews were because like maybe, maybe it's subject. Maybe other people have a delightful time there. But the reviews, even though it says like, like 1,769 reviews, so obviously it's a well-populated place, they've been disabled. Um, so you click uh -oh. on the like link to the reviews and there's nothing there. Um, and the hotel just released, the only uh, uh, statement they released which just said it was they were deeply disappointed. But in, in what? In, in TripAdvisor slapping a notice on them? They should just, TripAdvisor should ban them. Of That's, course. Of course. Okay, of course. this is so, terrible. And this is not the first time that this has happened in Thailand, per your question about the anti-defamation laws. In December 2019, a Thai journalist was sentenced to two years in prison for criticizing a chicken farm on Twitter. <laughs> 
I mean, this is serious. But, so, I mean, <laughs> what? Like, where was Twitter criticizing then? Criticizing a chicken farm? <laughs> Where's okay. Twitter then? Okay. So the answer is, show some spine, TripAdvisor. You're not run by Jack Dorsey. Just you have 10 million hotels listed on your site. You can live without the booking revenue from the Seaview Resort on Jang Island. Right. That use your power to create the world you want to live in, right? Okay. So nope well, of course no to that resort, but nope to TripAdvisor. Everybody switch to Yelp or Google Reviews or something else. It's as uh you're as bad as the jailers themselves, TripAdvisor. Yes, Get a spine. Nope. Nope. No, no. Okay, Rachel, you have one more nope. Yeah, so this is kind of a food story. I can't decide if it's a nope or a yup. Um, on the one hand, it's disgusting, but on the other, it's innovative. So the Times had a story this week about these three hikers and their families on a summer trip to Yellowstone National Park. Who wouldn't enjoy that? It's a delight. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, get some outdoors time, go to Yellowstone. And the, the main players in this narrative are a, a guy named Eric Romriel, he's 49, and Eric Roberts, 51. I'm sure it's not the actor Eric Roberts because he's from Idaho. Um, and, How do you and know that? Because <laughs> the story said so. Oh, okay. No, the, the guy in the story is from Idaho, oh, oh, I not thought Julian Eric Roberts' the, brother. brother. <laughs> And, and Dallas Roberts is from Utah. He's the cousin of Eric Roberts. So they canoed about eight hours. They hiked with a bunch of their cooking pots and they brought a couple of chickens to, speaking of chickens, to the- uh, <laughs> That seems very perishable. I mean- Shoshone <laughs> Geyser Basin. And here's, this is where it gets weird. They decided they were going to cook their chickens in the hot spring at, wait, at wait. Can we roll back on, who brings chickens? On a like on a twelve hour trek in the wilderness, <laughs> like it's highly perishable. Bring bring a shelf stable snack. There's, There's a reason I, that they... I know this was a whole culinary <laughs> adventure. So Eric Romriel, one of the the ringleader of this operation, he's an ophthalmologist in Idaho Falls, and he double packed the chickens in a roasting bag and a burlap sack so that he would not contaminate the water. This was all very well planned out. Yeah. Um, they had brined the chicken for several days beforehand. They looked at the park regulations and they only found one rule that prohibited tossing, throwing, or rolling rocks or other items inside the thermal features. And it said <laughs> nothing about chickens, so they proceeded. And so Eric placed the chickens carefully inside this- It was a this... sin of omission. <laughs> They couldn't anticipate the full spectrum of what people might do. So he put the chickens inside a hot spring that was right off the trail. And then he went to take a bath, as one does. Right? So, With the chicken? So Eric, he left it there to cook. So Eric and, and the families are all bathing. And so he goes to check on the chicken to make sure it's okay. And he found a, a park ranger who was surprised to see two chickens hanging inside of a hot spring in a burlap sack. And he had a few questions for Eric. Um, but then the, the park ranger left and, and his family finished bathing and they had a lovely chicken dinner and it was fantastic. It was a delicious preparation, but it was not the end of the story. So the next day, the ranger comes back and uh, issued citations to all these 
men requiring a court appearance and now they are in deep shit so they all pleaded guilty to um boiling <laughs> chicken <laughs> boiling in a hot spring they were sentenced to two years probation <laughs> from the park. In prison <laughs> That would be in Thailand. <laughs> right. They were fined between $500 and $1,200. Very expensive chicken dinner. Um, and so I guess the question is, like, technically, what did they do wrong? Um, and the answer is that it's illegal to go off the boardwalk at Yellowstone or to go off designated trails and to touch or throw any objects into hot springs because... The water can exceed 400 degrees Fahrenheit, which probably makes it such a great cooking vehicle, <laughs> and it can cause um, severe or fatal burns. So Eric was interviewed by the Times, and he said that he wasn't aware he was doing anything wrong. He is like a scout leader. He's taken many monthly camping trips in Idaho and Every time he's, he always looks for creative ways to cook food. <laughs> he likes to, he says, uh, it's how not to rough it while roughing it. So he says, it's just like making milkshakes out of raspberries or huckleberry fruits that you find when you're hiking or, or tying hot dogs to a rope and putting them in, in hot springs to boil, which he's also done. And so he says, one of the big rules for scouting and camping is to leave no trace. And, you know, he said the officer inspected his campsite and it was clean and he didn't intend to be a naughty person and he didn't want to be a troublemaker and he just wanted to make delicious but chicken. But it so seems unfair to get him for, that's like, you know, arresting Al Capone for tax evasion, right? Like the, that, that wasn't really the crime. It was like a workaround. Right, right. So what do you think he should have been arrested for? Nothing. I, <laughs> I, I, think, I, I, think, I think he should open a restaurant. <laughs> In the park. <laughs> Yes. Like have the smokehouse out back, the boil, the boil house, the hen boil, <laughs> crab boil. They could have. I mean, boiling is pretty much the least appealing <laughs> form of cooking, except if it's for lobsters. Right? But it's kind of like a sous vide, a very hot sous vide. <laughs> it was in a an airtight plastic seal, maybe. <laughs> He could, give, he could give cooking lessons. He could do culinary tourism. <laughs> so I think nope to the park ranger. I think they need to open themselves up and avail themselves to new ways of making delicious food. And, and, and yet, ag yet again, be... as with Dr. Mike and Tish James, like we are living in a country where that is one big grifting criminal enterprise. This is what you're worried about? Fucking scrub. Three guys and boiling three guys a boiling chicken. A chicken? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is why we find ourselves where we are. This, yes, this, this is, yes. this is how it, this is how it ends. So yes. no park no. rangers go, no. go hunt down. I don't know DB Cooper or something. Okay, um, those were all terrible. Those were great though. Those were good. Yeah, you had, you had two of, really good ones. We had yeah. a buildup of a lot of really terrible things happening that we just have been ignoring because of everything else going on. The so dam, the dam burst right here, right yeah. now. Okay, but now we're up to the ups. These are the little rays of light, little beacons of hope that got us through the week. Uh, Rachel, you just showed me yours. It looks extremely beautiful. 
Yes, it's very exciting. So my up goes to my friend and former colleague, Elizabeth Holmes, not the Theranos one, but the fabulous Royals expert who has been a guest on this show. Uh, on our live um, show out of San Francisco. Yes, yes. Well, her book, which I'm holding up right now, uh, just came out this week and it's fantastic. It's called HRH, which stands for Her Royal Highness. So many thoughts on royal style. And um, I have my signed copy. And I'm loving Elizabeth's deft analysis of all this royal fashion through the years. It's perfect timing with the new season of The Crown. And it's really the best thing to take your mind off the horrors of this global pandemic. So I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And congratulations to Elizabeth. And please come back on Nope anytime to plug the book and talk about royal style or any other topic you want you know so, <laughs> come yeah, talk about you. boiling chicken we're here for you we're here for you you know that it's it looks like it would be a really nice both to read and a coffee table book not unlike playgirl magazine right um, <laughs> it's, is, it's like playgirl magazine but like better <laughs> but for the royal women of windsor <laughs> and with their clothes right. on <laughs> Okay, my yup. Um, so Rachel, you inspired me this summer with your culinary yups. You did dill and then more dill and so tomatoes, tomatoes and tomatoes and dill. <laughs> <laughs> so this week I'm giving my yup to Amaro, which is an Italian, a family of Italian herbal liqueurs that are drunk as digestifs after the meal. And they're made with herbs and roots. And in particular, Doug and I bought a bottle of Alpine. That's one of the varieties. Um, and it is so delicious, subtle. It's a little sweet and a little bitter. And every time you like put it in your mouth, there's like a different variety of flavors, like pine needles. You find new things. You it's find, like every, yeah. every trip, it's like a discovery. It's like a it's voyage like of discovery. It's like you're searching for something new every, every time. <laughs> so we've been Great. quaffing it every night. Um, it's an absolute delight. So I recommend if you are interested in exploring new frontiers in the world of spirits, um, give a try to Alpine Amaro. Well, that's, um, a, that's a great um, yup. A terrific yup. Great. These we, times. Good yeah. yups. Good nopes. Good yups. All right. That's the end of this podcast. We can get back to self-promotion now, right? Because we, oh, we got so many great uh, comments and feedback on our y all yup episode last week. Yes, we did. Um, it was incredible. Like I could go through reams of them. Um, but uh, we, we're very gratified for that. But now we're back to the nopes. So we hope you back still love nopes. us. That's what and we're famous for. Next week is Thanksgiving, for. and so we, we may. We're probably going to skip. We're probably going to skip. Uh, we'll, we'll just see how we feel. You we'll know? see how we, we feel. We answer to nobody. We'll talk to the board of directors. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, tell somebody in person because that's the best way to spread the word. Thank you for listening. It's been a terrible, terrible week, but a really fun podcast to record. This has been Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot.